Hello, and welcome to Talking Talk, the podcast for the media by us. I am joined today by none other than Tiberius Johnson. Hello. TJ. Hi. What's up? Hello. We're going to talk about our watch list, just you and me. Just the two of us. Yeah, that's not all we're going to talk about. No. What else <laughs> What else are we going to talk about? <laughs> Episode 187? Six? What is this? Oh yeah, that's right. What we do here. And then we're going to talk about the news and then tell you what to watch next weekend. Yeah. Um, so... But first, I, I have a TJ's Tidbits. Okay. Uh, I found this while I was researching our homework that'll come out. Uh, I think it's going to come out a day early this week. So it'll come out tomorrow if you're listening on the day this post. Right. Um, but homework was Down by Law, a Jim Jarmusch film from 1980 starring Tom Waits. Yeah. Um, it's also starring another Jim Jarmusch fave and apparently a musician that none of us had heard of, uh, John Lurie. Yeah. Uh, he had a TV show <laughs> that I found. Uh, it aired in 1991. There were six episodes. Okay. It's called Fishing with John. Okay. Have you read about this or heard about this? No. It sounds amazing. I really hope I can find it somewhere. <laughs> there are six episodes. Uh, premise of the show seems to be he finds actors, filmmakers, yeah. friends. Yeah. And goes fishing with them. Okay. So, kind of like the YouTube series Hiking with Neil where, uh, uh Neil McDonald. Not Neil McDonald. Uh, the comedian. He used to do Weekend Update. Neil. Oh, uh, Norm McDonald. Norm Mc... No, not Norm. The other one. Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon. Okay. That's what I was saying. Neil. <laughs> Kevin, hiking with Kevin. is okay. you know, It takes actors and they go on a hike and it's like a 20 minute interview but they're hiking. Or like uh, comedians in cars getting coffee. Right. That kind of thing. Okay. Okay. So but fishing. Sounds, sounds normal. Yeah. Maybe ahead of its time. I don't know. Yeah. But then I read the plot synopsis of each episode. <laughs> They sound amazing. Okay. Episode one, guest Jim Jarmish. Sweet. Uh, fishing for sharks off the coast of Montauk, New York. Okay. Well, okay. Out here, the shark is at the top of the food chain. Yep. Okay. They're just fishing for sharks. Yeah. Episode two, guest Tom Waits. <laughs> uh, Lurie and Waits fish a red snapper in Jamaica. Tom periodically becomes very grumpy. <laughs> a game of cards on dry land makes Tom feel much better. Waits catches a fish and puts it in his pants. <laughs> a little weirder. Yeah. Episode three, guest, Matt Dillon. Wait, okay. Yep. Dillon and Lurie fish in San Jose, Costa Rica. Supernatural events ensue. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Well, I'm glad they don't want to spoil it. Ghost fish? Yeah. Uh, episode four, guest, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Ice fishing in northern Maine. Dafoe and Lurie run out of crackers and face starvation. <laughs> Uh, the last guest on this crazy fucking series is uh, Dennis Hopper it's a two parter (laughs) part one Lurie and Hopper search for the mythical and elusive giant squid in Thailand which also is apparently hunting them (laughs) part two also in Thailand the squid hypnotizes protagonists with its volleyball sized eye deeper and deeper into Thailand few are chosen (laughs) What the fuck is this show? <laughs> the cover on Wikipedia, uh, we'll try to maybe put it in the show notes, but it's just got Dennis Hopper wearing a Vietnamese like rice paddy hat. <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah. I have no idea if it's streaming anywhere, because I'm a bad podcaster. Well, while you're looking at that, but I bet it's on YouTube, I'm just guessing. So that reminds me, there's a show on right now that's kind of in like the Nathan Fielder style of humor. Uh, but it's called John Glazer Loves Gear, <clears throat> and it's the comedian John Glazer, and the and the, sh- the TV show is like the normal conceit, where like that day John Glazer picks a thing, like say it's hiking, and so <clears throat> like the main feature of the show is it's available. It's all Criterion. <laughs> <laughs> so the main feature of the show is that you know they pick a sh- they pick an activity, and then Glazer goes to like. An REI. And, like, they kind of, like, go through the catalog of, like, the nicest hiking stuff. And so it's that kind of, like... Okay. That's, like, the the second act of it. The the first act being selecting the activity. And then the third act is them, like, using the gear in the thing. So, like, the first three episodes of the show are very rote. That's exactly what it is with this over-enthusiastic guy who just says he loves just, like, all the gear related to these, like, niche hobbies. Okay. But then by, like, episode four, the format starts to break... 
and John Glazer, it starts like breaking the fourth wall and talking about the production troubles with the show. John Glazer loves gear. And so there are two characters now. There's John Glazer playing himself, who is the person who stars in John Glazer Loves Gear, and then there's him performing the role the role ah, of the guy who loves gear. Breaking me. Where like they've hired a stunt family, and so then his real wife comes on to tell John that he can't have this family who is only cast to be in the meta version. So there's a third layer of like break in this narrative. Weird. And then it starts to go into like his wife divorces him. So for the gear, it's like bachelor pads. And so like they go through and they like do it all with like all the best like bachelor stuff. But he's like, his trademark is he screams into a megaphone the word gear. Uh, but then like by that point, he's still like beaten down by it. He's just like going gear. But it's a really crazy show. It's really funny. Uh, and if you can find it, I would recommend watching it. But it's that same like, here's a show with normal conceit. Like John Lurie goes fishing. And then, like, slowly it starts to warp and bend and break. And it's... Yeah. Starts involving, like, the writers of the show, John Glazer Loves Gear, who are the actual writers. Fun. Yeah. But... So what you been watching? <laughs> yeah, not that, but I will. Um, I watched a few movies. A uh, couple of 2019 releases I'll hit first. Uh, Cass and I went and saw Child's Play. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's uh, Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky, who does a great job. The leads are Aubrey Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry. And the kid, who's really the lead, is uh, Gabriel Bateman. He was the kid in Lights Out. Did you ever see Lights Out, that horror movie? Uh, the monster only comes and turns the lights out. I don't it's think like so. A ghost. He's a kid in Annabelle, too. Um, Annabelle, too? Annabelle, as well. That bit is always funny. It never, <laughs> never gets old. Um, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. You have two and a half stars on Letterbox. It's fun. How is like the modern technology adaptation? Because I know that they do a lot of like smart home stuff. Uh, it's exactly what you would predict it is. Okay. Uh, so the the buddy doll, which is not called the buddy doll in this, I forget what it's called. It's irrelevant. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of like your Google Home. Okay. So it connects to your TV and your drone and your lights and your electronics, and that's why that's how Chucky's so powerful. Okay. In this one. Um, I mean that that's it there's okay. like three murder scenes there's a big like to do at the end in an apartment store where all the Chuckies come to life and okay. he controls them all and he controls drones and tapes razor blades to their propellers and I mean it's it's. did you ever see the old ones yeah like bits and pieces of them they're super campy yeah and that's how all these deaths are like somebody gets killed by a pillar yeah like just stupid yeah I think that's in the trailer it shows like the guy's tied to a bunch of like Christmas lights and the tiller slowly like grinds him in right um so what's what 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 role does Jack Black play in this because I remember seeing him in the trailer and thinking A get it Jack Black you're losing a bunch of weight uh, uh but B why are you like shirtless in this like underground facility that's not Jack Black oh it's not but it looks like Jack Black holy shit yeah no um that's an actor you don't know okay uh they also do a pretty good job. So the, the, the weird thing that doesn't really work, and I see where they were kind of trying to go, is that Chucky is there to defend the kid. He wants the kid to be his best friend and tries to help the kid. So the first few people he kills before he like goes full heel yeah. are people that are assholes. Okay. So you don't feel super bad. <laughs> uh, one of them is like the guy, the guy who treats the kid like shit. The, the Jack Black character is uh, Peeping Tom, essentially. Okay. He plays the uh, like handyman in the apartment complex. Okay. Then. Uh, Brian Tyree Harry is a director whose mom lives next door to Aubrey Plaza and Andy. Cool. Uh, he's good. Aubrey Plaza's fine. Movie just doesn't try to do a lot. Yeah. It's a summer horror flick. Yeah. Whatever. Do they name the kid Andy because he's Andy in the original or Andy because of they're releasing against Toy Story? Definitely the latter. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Toy Story, we saw that on the same day. We got both... Um, you know, stories about sentient toys and how that could go great or horrible. And uh, so this one was the horrible one? Yeah. Fucking Woody, man. He goes off. <laughs> Just kill everybody. He puts everybody. a snake in everyone's boot. <laughs> he actually poisons the watering hole. Also, I found out Woody has a last name, and he has since the first one. What? Woody Pride. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> There's another time Disney trying to be over-inclusive with marginalized people. 
to make liberal snowflakes flakes, flakes feel better. <laughs> liberal snowflakes. That was the program breaking. <laughs> that was I was an example of an actual Russian bot man, like malfunctioning. Flake. <laughs> it sounded like a goat. So Woody Pride. Toy Story Four is five star film. Okay, it's fantastic. Were you surprised that it was that good? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. You went into it not thinking that it was going to live up to two and three? I mean, the first three are perfect. I mean, I'm not, you know how anti, don't make another one. Right, right, right. But the third one ended so well. Uh, This one takes, like, I think the only route it could. It does a really good job. Um, It plays with Woody's whole character development, which is the most noble thing a toy can do is be owned by some kid and help that kid be happy. Um, and it takes that and runs with it. Um, it opens up the universe a ton, which is fun. Um, the voice work is great, as it always is. Uh, the best newcomer is uh, neither Key or Peel. It is Keanu Reeves, who plays a Canadian version of Evil Knievel. <laughs> that totally. It's fucking great. Uh, it's fantastic. I hope his name's like Bodacious Bob. Something uh, where they can get some good long O's in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh what is his fucking character name? I'm gonna try to find it real quick so we're not real bad. Evil Steve Neville. Duke Kaboom <laughs> <laughs> Long O sounds, I knew it. Yeah. Uh no, he's he's fucking great though. Uh and the rest of the cast is is fantastic. The uh, villain in this is uh called Gabby Gabby and it's like a antique doll from the fifties. So the main premise of this is uh he finds Bo Peep in an antique store. Yeah. Uh and Gabby Gabby is a pull string doll from the 50s yeah. and wants to take Woody's voice box. She's kind of horrifying. Yeah. Um, and she's got an army of ventriloquist dummies that don't talk. This sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. This sounds scarier than child's play. It was scary, man. It, I don't think it was quite, quite uh, Hugs a Lot or whatever. The, the bear. horror of the incinerator and stuff. Yeah, but it was, it was close. Um you also you, they they play good with the villains here. There's okay. no like true villain in the in the end of this. Okay, um, but it's fun, man. It's a just a great movie. Another Pixar film that's written and is important for kids. I just can't recommend it enough. Yeah, cool. Well, I will see it on your recommendation and not Brent's. <laughs> good. <laughs> what else did you see? Excellent. Uh, what else did I see? I saw two more movies. One came out. Letterbox says 2017. That is not accurate as far as I know. But I watched Unicorn Store. Oh, yeah, that was 2018. Yeah. Um, so it might have had like a festival release. I bet it did. Because um, we've run into that problem before. Um, the movie's interesting. It's Brie Larson's directorial debut. Uh, I think it, 2019 is when it hit Netflix, though, because we were talking about oh, Sam right, Jackson right, 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 right. and Captain Marvel. And right. being weird. Yeah, no, I, that is. I, I would have if I watched it. I would have counted it to twenty nineteen. Right. Uh, I was planning to until just now. You should. You should I count. Think it. I will. Let's do it together. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. All right. This has been talking talk. All right. What's the fourth movie? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So it plays some with. You definitely get vibes that she's on the spectrum. Yeah. They don't ever talk about that. Nice. I like that. Yeah. It's. I just don't know if I'm reading the movie wrong. If she's just like a free spirit who's not, you know, not to get all political on that, but like where I stand on the like spectrum, ADD, ADHD crap yeah. is that like those are just personality traits and that's how some people are. Okay. Um, so I don't know if they're viewing it like I am and like she's not, there's nothing wrong with her. Right. She's just kind of weird and yeah. trippy. Um, but I mean the movie is what the trailer looks like she finds a store called The Store it's ran by Samuel Jackson who's a salesman there and he'll sell her one thing whatever she wants and she wants a unicorn yeah I really when I saw the trailer I felt really bad for you and Breezy because <laughs> the when they say that the store is called The Store and they'll sell you the thing and the thing can be whatever you want I was like oh no TJ and Brent's like hypothetical corporation is doomed <laughs> right uh, her parents are fantastic. It's Joan Cusack and the always great Bradley Whitford. I think you could put always great in front of Joan Cusack, too. Yeah, she is fantastic. Um, her boyfriend, I guess her romantic, uh, Brie Larson's romantic interest, is an actor called Mamadou Athey. Okay. And uh, he's in The Circle uh, and a bunch of other movies that are bad. Oh. He's in Patty Cakes. 
Okay. He's the he's the black guy in patty cakes. Yeah. Um, but he was phenomenal in this. Yeah, he looks he, like a very beautiful man. Yes. But he stood out. Cool. In the movie, he was really good. As somebody who's like, I don't know, he struggles with falling in love with this kind of weird, quirky person who is obviously a little bit insane because she's, she hires him to build the stable for the unicorn. Right. She's got like quests to meet. Yeah. And he's like, you have to have shit to feed it. So it's them going out to the country to buy hay. Yeah, like what does a unicorn eat? Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, I don't know, it's weird. I gave it three and a half stars. It doesn't quite hit. You can definitely see some talent from behind the camera for Larson. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how, how how great that first attempt is. Is this does this feel like a like a tween movie? Or like a like a younger younger adult movie than it does like a full on like quirky drama? Or is it kind of hard in the grown ups camp? Do you, do you get the question I'm asking? Yeah, so the parents run this uh I forget what it's called, but it's like Operation Wilderness. They essentially take like inner city kids that have fucked up or are having a rough time and take about camping and yeah. like whatever um, and you, so there's this scene and this will kind of answer your question I think there's a scene where uh, Brie Larson goes with them to try to she has to have a good household for the unicorn to live in yeah. so she's trying to like make up with her parents um, and she goes and is hanging out with the kids and they're about to have truth circle and Brie Larson asks the kids like what the fuck is truth circle and the kids are like, oh, just make up some crazy shit and tell them so they'll think that you're, like, healing. That's all they want. Just tell them some crazy shit. Um, later on, her parents are fighting, and she's like, you know all those kids make up all that shit. And Joe Cusack gets, like, offended and walks off. Yeah. And uh, Bradley Whitford has a great line where he's like, um, of course we know they make up all this shit, but, like, she lost her dad to a heroin overdose and her mom's in prison. Sometimes it's easier just to say some made-up shit. Which is, like, a cool... And So I think it's important for tweens but yeah. I think it's definitely got like adult <clears throat> themes cause I, I know like, when I was 16 I wouldn't understand what the fuck he was talking about okay. but he said it there and I was like that makes perfect fucking sense yeah. I know what he's talking about cause I know like on, on on after this movie came out on Brie Larson's Instagram she just got like flooded with people doing like artwork and of them like putting on makeup like the way that she does that's just like bright colors on their face and glitter and a bunch of like wild shit yeah and so I think that that it might have either intentionally or unintentionally targeted that demo yeah, I mean, she's a failed artist who gets into, like, NYU art school. Right. But wants to paint, like, Lisa Frank shit. Right. So, you know, art snobs are like... This is worthless. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely a very easy, like, theme, which is, like, be true to yourself, but understand that means that everybody should be true to themselves. Yeah. So, you know, don't hate your parents for doing this thing you think is stupid, because yeah. they don't hate you for doing the thing that they think is stupid. Um, I would definitely recommend it, because it's... Interesting enough, but like I said, three and a half stars. Nothing's going to blow you away. Nice. Um, same with the last movie I watched, which was a 2010 movie starring Rachel McAdams and Harrison Ford called Morning Glory. Have you seen Morning Glory? I have not seen it. What's the story with Morning Glory? <laughs> she, uh, Rachel McAdams' character is a EP for a show called like Wake Up New Jersey. Okay. Um, so she's up at like 2.30, in bed at 6.00. You know, those shows that are on when you get up at five, yeah. randomly. Uh, she gets fired, laid off due to, like, financial cutbacks. Yeah. And goes and gets hired for a fictional network called, um, fuck, I think it's called IBS. Okay. Which is a weird choice now that I'm saying that out loud. <laughs> um, but she goes to turn the show around. It's, like, fifth in the major network rankings. They're yeah. about to cancel it. Um she ends up finding out that they have, like, essentially Tom Brokaw under contract, played by Harrison Ford, who's, like, a super revered newsman. Yeah. He's and, like a uh, capital J journalist. Yes. And pretty much says, like, you have to do this or you're going to lose, like, $100 million off your contract. Like, we're putting you on Daybreak. Yeah. Which is the name of her show, which I'll bitch about later. Yeah. But, uh... Figured. Yeah. She, uh... I already made my joke about the title. <laughs> so, Harrison Ford didn't want to do all the dumb shit like that. Like, you like, know... Have, like, the cooking segment. Yes. And, yeah. Like at one point, she's like, okay, I got you Anthony Bourdain. He's like, I love him. And like, we're going to cook with him. And he's like, absolutely not. Tell Tony High for me. So he's just like that kind of guy. Yeah. Like, that's not fucking news. It's a great role for Harrison Ford. Yes, and he is great in it. And Rachel McAdams is as great as she is in fucking everything. Yeah. 
Um, and she's adorable. Like me and you are big fans. It's like about time a movie that's yeah. not that great, but it's good. Yeah. And Rachel McAdams is great in it. Yeah. Only because of the performances of Domal Domal Gleason and Rachel McAdams. That's my letterbox review of this. This is a two and a half star movie, and I give a half star each for Harrison Ford and Rachel McAdams. Okay. I mean the other uh, big names in the movie are uh, Patrick Wilson plays the like super trophy like oh businesswoman you're so businessy stop I'll fix it with sex yeah that guy and. Uh, Diane Lane, Diane Keaton, I'm sorry, is the other host of the morning show. Okay. Um, I'd watch it if you like rom-coms. That's about where I am with that. And I love rom-coms. Yeah. So I watched it. Yeah, you do. That's yeah. that's on your uh, character sheet. This movie also came out while I was working at Blockbuster, so it's one of those that, like, I worked there for six months, so I saw the same fucking DVD cases hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah. Um, so, it was on my list because I'm trying to watch everything that I had to touch <laughs> when I worked at Blockbuster. You're like a reverse King Midas. Instead of like everything you touch has value, <laughs> now it's like everything that you have touched is cursing you and you have to lose some time to it. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's also good as the head of the studio and 50 Cent plays himself in a pretty funny bit. Nice. We should remember to talk about 50 Cent, a.k.a. Curtis Jackson, tomorrow when we talk about the uh, actors, musicians. Because he's an interesting one. Yeah. Something tells me we're going to forget him. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Odd how time works. <laughs> uh, that's all I watched, other than the homework, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Well, don't want to give up the ghost, but I didn't watch anything. Um, you know, when you have... When life gets in the way of fun, it blows. Make lemonade. Right? <laughs> oh, no. I've been making lemonade bad. Um... <laughs> No, but I did consume one piece of media in an alarming way. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, two weeks ago, you played the first episode of The Adventure Zone for me when we were driving back from Asheville. It's about 100 hours, probably. It's a lot of hours. It's, yeah. it's 69 numbered episodes. Nice. <laughs> um, and then there's like bits and pieces in between that aren't fully numbered episodes. All so, at least like 55 minutes, some yeah. close to two hours. So I listened to the entirety of the first campaign arc of the D&D Real Play podcast run by the McElroy family uh, called The Adventure Zone, and the arc is called The Balance Arc. So is it like all you did? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you don't, there's no other time. When I was at work, I couldn't like watch, like normally I have like a YouTube video up or a channel playing something, that's where I watch all like my late night interviews where I watch, like, The Hollywood Reporter, like, roundtables, like, all that stuff. Right. Uh, actors on press tours doing, uh, like, the polygraph test with each other. The Aubrey Plaza, Brian Terry Henry ones. Very funny. Nice. As you would imagine. Um, but I just didn't do any of that. I had to be really focused, and so I just, like, played this nonstop. Uh, and then found myself, like, coming home from work and being like, okay, well, now that I'm home, I just want to, like, sit outside and hit play on it and just, like, sit outside with the dog and just listen. Yeah. Um... So, uh, yeah, I listened to all of it, and it is phenomenal. Yeah. It is a great bit of storytelling uh, that you really grow with, A, the people who are role-playing, as they learn how to role-play better, and then, B, the characters they wrote, and even the NPCs that the DM, the Dungeon Master, writes, as they go through their, like, mini or full arcs. And so it's kind of a story told in two frames, and I think they're both great. Yeah, I mean, my recommendation was like one of those, like, it's one of the greatest stories of fiction I could, like, sign off on. Uh, it's definitely not, like, perfect, but it's. That one was me. It's never me, but that one was me. Nice. <laughs> uh, it's definitely flawed because they're learning what they're doing in the first few arcs, but fuck, man, after, like, episode 40, the third or fourth arc, uh, it's ridiculously good. Yeah. And the amount of uh, work that Griffin McElroy puts in. Uh, to the story and like music wise is very impressive. Yeah. I mean, he, so he listened to a Cole Porter album uh, called Worlds and in it he uses a bunch of Vocaloid voices and Griffin was very high. He says that it might be the best album he's ever listened to and so he, the, the conceit of using a Vocaloid voice, which is funny given our conversation about Black Mirror, Right. Uh, when we talked about Vocaloid Hatsune Miku based on the Miley Cyrus episode from this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he wanted to do one in one of the arcs and uh, basically st- 
like stopped having fun and doing other things and like took a lot of classes about like music. The music theory classes online. Yeah. Yeah. And he taught himself like compo- composition. Yeah. And like by the end of the balance arc, like he is full on composing like violin, piano, like concertos. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, it's just it's really great. Uh, at the at the very end of the show, uh, the oldest brother Justin McElroy, uh, kind of off the cuff, summarizes what happens throughout the entirety of the Balance Arc, and he says, "The Adventure Zone, uh, a podcast about four nerds who get together and play D and D so hard they make themselves cry." Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's that's just a great summation of it, and it's it is equal parts hilarious. And really great storytelling drama. It's either Rockport or uh, I think it's Pedal to the Metal though, which is the third arc, I yeah. believe. Um, but one of the brothers, Justin, has a uh, great comment uh, in an interview I read where he said, "That's when I realized it was a car that flew." Yeah, like that's a good. Like it started off and it's fucking hilarious. And if you listen to like my brother, my brother and me, or any of the McElroy family of products, that's what this was. Right. And then twenty hours in, it's. <clears throat> completely fucking different than anything I've heard them do. And me and you are both huge fans yeah, um, of them and have been for close to a decade now. Yeah. But the, this, this is this is different. Yeah. <clears throat> it really is. And it's, you know, this, this arc spanned three years. And so you go through, like, Griffin's wife gets pregnant and they have their first kid and Henry is born. That's, while why, they're, they're, that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, was that yeah? Justin was having his second kid, and right. they needed a they couldn't record my brother, my brother, and me. It's the regular podcast, and so they put up this D and D podcast with their dad, and yeah, it's just like I don't know. It's uh, it's really good. There's like if 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 you're not hooked by us just saying we loved it, there is something really touching about one of the characters, and I'm not going to spoil anything because I think it is kind of like a magical revelation it's a experience. Super fun ride of a but program. Uh, just some backstory behind the brothers and their dad is when they were young, but like I think college age. For I think Travis was 18, and he's the middle brother. So Griffin was would be 16, and Justin would have been 21. Um, their mom died of cancer. It was really aggressive and really fast, and their mom was taken away from them. So, you can really see where the times when they have to make hard decisions, like, where they are clearly being influenced by, like, characters who lost powerful women. Yeah. And who are trying to make women proud, who they can't ever, like, get that validation from. And it's, like, a couple touching moments where they're interacting with like mother figures or they're interacting with like love interests where they are they are full on role playing but there's so much of them in their characters and this like real emotional thing that happened to them that just it's really sweet and really well done and it's really good to hear some of that it's not I don't want to say good it's really interesting to hear some of them speak on that um, in some of the episodes where the podcast eats itself as David might say yeah but like you get this thing where this is like straight comedy. Like this is your first intro to McElroy. I don't. I can't sell enough. This is not what they do. Right. They are straight a hundred percent. Like they're like a slapstick movie. Yeah. They're just there to make you laugh, and that is it. Yeah. And uh, you get these moments where like Clint, their dad, talking to them like, "I can really see your mother in you with that choice you made." Yeah. It's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> or Clint saying like, "Oh well, my character made that choice because." You know, after your mother passed, all I wanted to do is, like, make you boys proud of me. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, I yeah. can't... <laughs> I don't know. It, it's good. And then it's not just me and Chris. Uh, Kelly's been on the show before. Uh, loves it. Uh, David has started listening. He's a big fan. Al, who's been a guest on the show, is, is really into it. Yeah. Um, it's just great reviews all around. Yeah. So, check that out. Yeah, check it out. Even if you don't really, like, love games, there's a, uh, you know... It's a fun thing yeah. to listen to. You you will you will laugh more than anything when listening to it. Oh yeah, for sure. Even if you don't care about D and D, none of them had really played it before, other than the person who's running the game. I never have. Still, still yeah. So. yeah. Well, you played Gloomhaven. We talked for like twenty minutes about Gloomhaven last week. That's pretty close. What's Gloomhaven? I don't know. 
But yeah, that's it for me. I mean, I was like close to like, I think it's all to- total. It's like eighty hours of audio okay. listening for the whole balance campaign. Nice. So, listen to it. It's great. Music is great. The characters are great. The crying time is well earned, and the laughing time is uh, a great joy. Sweet. So, what's next? Now we talk about some breezy, breezy on the streets. Yeah. So you said you wanted to pitch a, uh, a a feature here to discuss because you're noticing that we're like in in like the hot hot heat. Everyone wants to get spooked and sit in an air conditioned theater. So this has been happening for a couple of years now, right? It yeah. kind of started. I feel like Get Out had a lot to do with it. Uh, a very psychologically driven horror movie, but a horror movie nonetheless, where. That year, I guess that was 2017. Yes. Yeah. Had a Get Out came out. It was super well received. You had some Netflix Stephen King adaptations that were really uh, well received. 1929, I think, was the name of one. Gerald's Game was yeah really well received that year. Uh, it Chapter One came out that year, which is really fucking good. Yeah. So you're getting these good horror movies coming out, um, and you've got some coming out this summer that uh, me and Chris have caught some of the trailers for in our visits. To the theater. To the cinema. Um, some of which I'm excited about, some of which I'll watch on Netflix, some of which I won't ever see. Uh, one of the ones I will never see is fucking Annabelle 9, the Annabellish or whatever <laughs> the fuck. That, Annabelle Comes Home is what it's called. That came out uh, this past weekend. Yeah, it's already it got, out. It got destroyed by Toy Story 4 and uh, just barely beat uh, uh, yesterday in the box office. Oh, well. Oh, I, if I was a good podcaster, I would have looked up what Child's Play did on its opening weekend versus what Annabelle comes home doing. I think it was. In, weekend. I think that uh, Annabelle was in the two slot, uh, okay. and Child's Play was in the four. I think that was the ranking. Okay. Uh, I say I think I could just look it up on this internet device. I have three within my fucking <laughs> one. Like, reach. You're holding. I'm holding one. There's an iPad in front of me, and we are. This microphone is connected to a computer attached to the internet, but I'm just going to guess instead. I like that better. Child's Play, we talked about earlier this episode. Uh, one coming out um, tomorrow night, I guess, if you're listening on the day of post, as uh, Ari Aster's follow-up to Hereditary, which was another one that was huge last year. Yeah. Uh, but Midsommar yeah. is coming out, and it looks fucking great. Uh, Jordan Peele has called it the best horror movie of 2019, a movie a year, a year where he released us. Yeah. Um, you released us from our cages. Yes, to, to watch Midsommar. Yeah. Um, can't recommend Hereditary enough if horror movie is your thing. It was a great watch. It was on Brent's top ten list, I believe, Yeah, for 2018. It was, it was close to mine, too. Yeah, it was, uh, it was considered for me. Yeah. Um, but Midsommar looks fun. It's like a Swedish cult movie uh, filmed all in the daytime, like beautiful scenery. Yeah. Um, it's like the, the time of year there where it's like the, the day is longest in northern Sweden, so it's like... Uh, they've got like 19 hours of daylight right and, the, and this could be like, or it could be a cult thing where there's just daylight all the whole time there right. I don't know we, yeah. haven't, we haven't seen it yet but I'm going to on Wednesday when yeah. it comes out um, very excited about that uh, pretty much opposite end of the spectrum for a movie that I saw a trailer for when I watched Child's Play and I think you called a trailer for it too yeah Crawl yeah <laughs> it looks fucking dumb for the first 20 seconds of the trailer it looks awesome yeah so it's like a hurricane Rolling into Florida like crazy, class five, full evac. Yeah. Um, and this lady and her dad, I want to say, can't get out. Yeah. And uh, well, she goes to go to to go get her dad, who she's going to go evacuate him. Uh, not evacuate him. You don't evacuate people. You evacuate buildings. I learned <laughs> that from the wire. Um, but get him out of the city. Okay. And she goes to the house, and he's not there. And she starts hearing like banging on the pipes, and it's like, oh, he might be in the basement. She goes in the basement and starts hearing, like, growling, and her sees her dad, and he's, like, wounded. And, like, hears, like, a monstrous roar. Sounds cool. Yeah. It's an alligator. Yeah, it's an alligator. This whole movie's about <laughs> alligators. In the basement. Yeah. And then more than the basement, because when it hurricanes, the water rises, so now there's alligators walking on two feet. Yep. Not actually walking on two feet. But yeah. basically, they're, they can be head level. So you know those doctored photos of like, there's a shark on Fifth Avenue when <laughs> Sandy yeah. came. That's this movie. They took that dumb fucking meme and made a movie about it. Yeah. So this is one I'll probably stream on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or whatever in a couple of years because I just want to laugh at it. Yeah. But uh, 
I don't know, man. It looks bad. Yeah. Part of the trailer, they show like a uh, like an alligator surfing around in a bathroom, and she's hiding in the shower. It's just got like a thin piece of glass between her and the gator, and she like jukes the alligator as he goes in very nimbly through the opening in the glass instead of being an alligator going straight through the glass. Because yeah. you know that that you know a defining feature about alligators, they're basically unkillable. Right. They have no natural predators except for man, and they are immortal. The only thing that kills them is not being to eat enough to, for their size. Right. They get too big. Yeah. I mean, to quote James Spader in the office, don't go to Florida. There are literal dinosaurs there. Yeah. <laughs> These things have unevolved because they've evolved perfectly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm just going to go ahead and say this won't be on a what to watch when it comes out. I'm going to guess from, from me or Chris. No, I like Kaya Scodelario. She's the lead, uh, lead actress in it. Yeah, the director as well. well. I forget his name, but it's the Hillside Lies guy, right? Yeah. Alexander Aja. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Don't make your bad guy unkillable. Also, yeah. like, if you're an alligator and you're in a house and there are people fighting you, won't you just go eat shit that's not fighting you? I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, break the science on anything, but, like, it's a fucking hurricane, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I can see you writing a review for this. I found the villain's motives unbelievable. <laughs> the villain's motives. Yeah. I just really want to know what the Night Gators' motives are. He can't just be an unkillable force. It's 47 un- Meters Down Uncaged is also coming out, and I just wanted to jump in on that because I'm just now realizing that the whole plot of 47 Meters Down is that they're in a cage. So now this movie might just be two minutes long. They <laughs> got 47 Meters Down is getting eaten by sharks because there's no cage this time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to interpret that. Is Mandy more in this one? No, I think she died in the first one. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Oh, there's, this is a sequel to something? Oh, yeah. There's a movie called 47 Meters Down. We're starring Mandy Moore. They go in a shark cage. Yeah. The sh- cage gets severed okay. from the boat. Okay. And they drop to the bottom. Probably around 47 meters down <laughs> in the ocean. Uh, wild guess, but I'll go with it. Yeah. And for some re- fucking reason, they can't get them back up. Okay. They don't have winches in the Gulf. <laughs> yes. I don't know. So then is this... So then would the sequel be like 46 meters down uncaged because they go to recover that first cage and they drop and they land on top of it by accident? No, it's actually 49 meters down because of global warming. <laughs> the oceans have risen. Yeah. Um, is it about anything? I mean, I assume it's about fucking sharks. Yeah, it is. It's about sharks trying to kill people that are... Again, 47 meters down into the ocean. I mean... It says it's claustrophobic, but it has to take place in the ocean, so I don't understand that. Well, I also have a problem. Like, I I suffer from, like, a mild, like, thalassophobia, which is fear of, like, open seas and open waters. Um, But there's part of me that kind of manages that fear by, A, living on land, and by, B, like, if someone's like, hey, don't go in that house, there's a man who lives there and his arms are swords. I don't go in that house because if I do, I'm probably going to get cut. So, like, when I go into the shark's house and he's like, oh, sorry, my mouth got in the way of your fleshy, delicious body. Like, I deserve that. So, apparently, this one takes place in underwater caves. And the sharks are waiting outside the caves. Oh, the sharks are staking out the caves waiting for a a tasty snack to swim in? Yeah. Yeah, they're in their car eating donuts. Just waiting. (laughs) Waiting for you to leave that cave. Uh, another one I saw a trailer for during uh, when I went and saw Child's Play and I made Chris watch the trailer because I got really excited for it. It's coming out on August 16th and it's uh, called Ready or Not. Yeah. Uh, starring Hugo Weaving's daughter. Yeah, Samara Weaving. Samara Weaving, who is the uh, lead of Babysitter, which me and Chris definitely recommended as a fun yeah. horror summer romp. Um, it looks fucking fun. Yeah. Ready or Not. It's a, it's a horror comedy. Yeah. Uh, and I laughed out loud watching the trailer. Yeah, it's about a woman who's marrying a guy, and his whole family is like, they joke around that it's like, the they're they're like a, a board game dynasty, and in order to become like a, if you're a new person joining the group, you have to play, um, a board game normally, but she like uses the device and it picks a game and it's hide and seek, which is where the title comes from, and she's like, what the fuck is this? And like, yep, hide anywhere, and uh, if you stay hidden till dawn, then you win. Yeah. And she was like, ha, huh, okay, whatever. And then, like, the trailer cuts to people, like, pulling weapons down, like they're going to kill her. 
if they yeah, find her. She sees one accidentally kill another. Yeah, thinking it's her. And and someone's like cleaning out like an old shotgun, or like is like thinks that it's her rounding the corner. So, somehow she discovers this is death. Yeah, um, it looks like a fun ride. I'm yeah. excited to see it. Uh, another one I'm excited to see, uh, co-written and produced by Guillermo del Toro, is uh, "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark," which is a, a kids' move, a kids' book from the '80s. Um, and the trailer does not look like a kids' movie. It cool. looks fucking horrifying. Um, check out the trailer though. I posted it in the uh, movies bias group uh, a couple of weeks ago. It should be too hard to track down. I like it. It's media synergy. Yes. Listen with your ears, but see with your eyes. <laughs> uh, this comes out on August 6th, though, but uh, it's a bunch of short stories in the book originally. I didn't read it. We have some listeners that did and loved it. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of an Are You Afraid of the Dark kind of tale, like vignettes, I think, is yeah. the book style. And this is, I think most of those monsters coming to life, kind of like a Goosebumps movie did. Like, we found the book, and the book, we're reading it, and as we read it, the thing's coming alive or something. That's yeah. kind of the vibe I'm getting. But the scarecrow in it is fucking terrifying looking when you uh, yeah, watch the trailer. That does look like a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see it. And it's fucking the King of Monsters producing a monster movie. So why not? Yeah. The thing I think I'm most excited for, uh, I think it was the only movie that all four of us have seen together in a theater. Um, but the sequel, Chapter 2 to It, is coming out this September. Yeah, I think we talked about the trailer a couple weeks ago when it dropped. Yeah, the trailer's fucking horrifying. It's really good. I'm, yeah. I'm very, very excited, though. But that'll be a great way to kind of round out the summer of horror experience that happens at times. Yeah, that'll kind of end it. But uh, I'm excited about a few of those. Yeah. Not Crawl. Yeah, no. Um, I don't know what the uh, what the 47 meters deeper uncaged is about, even though you told me. I've already forgotten about it. Um, it's Nick Cage. Whoa. Nick Cage in the ocean. It wasn't that... Uh, Andy Samberg's old bit, uncaged. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I thought it was I thought it was Nick Cage uncaged, where he would do like movie reviews, just doing his like. I missed that skit. It was such a good bit. Yeah. Uh, so a, a little bit of news. Uh, we have to talk about this. Um, it's all over the internet. Uh, Avengers Endgame is being re-released with new footage. Um, it's not re-edited. It's just got things added to it, but it's not anything added to the plot. And people think that this is kind of a cheap play at... Push push Avatar out of the way? Push Avatar out of the way. Uh, whatever. You don't care? No. I mean... Do, would, do you count it... If they add footage, is it the same movie? Like, does it get to... Is Box Office Mojo going to separate its ticket sales? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess they don't whenever they do, like, a theatrical re-release of, like, A New Hope. Right. Or, like, if it, like, runs at, like, the draft house, but... I don't know. That's a good question. Now I'm, like, considering, like, 2D versus 3D. Dude. Yeah. Like, is that the same? I think it is. I think it's gotta be. the same, yeah. I mean, fucking Avatar. There's no way that that, that amount of 3D sells. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't give a shit. I also don't give a shit what the best-selling movie of all time is. I mean... Right. Especially worldwide shit. I mean, me and Brent are both like domestic only whores when it comes to that. Yeah, you guys are whores. Yeah. We we talk a lot Star about Wars forever. Uh, we, we we talk a lot about like not staking your personality or your emotions on someone else's intellectual property, and this is one of those times where I just like don't care. I think a lot of people are personally invested in Endgame making more than Avatar, and my big question is the one you led with, which is why? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we've had like some listeners have, have posted in like uh, in the group. I think like just buy a ticket for Avengers and then go see something else. I'm like this is stupid. Yeah, no. Also, like give movies money. Yeah, when you want when you see them. Yeah, I mean there's <laughs> steal. There are plenty of people who saw the the this is this is why it's weird. Who saw the original Avengers Endgame <laughs> like more than once? Like those people are going to go see this, right? But like, <laughs> I don't want to play a game where like. I get vote with your wallet, but like, what are we voting for? Avatar Two is still going to come out. If the if there was a movie I could go see once to make that not happen, I probably would. But also, I don't care if Avatar Two comes up; I'll probably see it. It's a ploy to make more money. I don't think the studio gives shit about being number one either. I mean, if you're number one, what do they get from it? They don't make more money. I mean, there's. I don't under. 
I don't think that there's any way that, that Avatar 2 or any other movie is going to dethrone that soon. Yeah. So you get to sit at the top of a list. Yeah. And I guess maybe it influences like your Blu-ray sales or whatever. Yeah. people still buy Blu-rays. I don't. But. Yeah. I don't know, but that's the news. Uh, another thing I saw when I was looking uh, up stuff... When I was looking up stuff, um, just a you know, quick update for Shalub Watch. Uh, he uh, renegotiated his salary and uh, is is making uh, $250,000 per episode. So Shalub making that paper on Maisel. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the uh, the, the other story that I saw is uh, uh, on The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Melissa McCarthy is in talks to play Ursula in the live-action Little Mermaid. That could be good. Yeah, I think that is, I think that would be a fun casting decision. Yeah, man, we got. I was gonna talk about that because there was some some chatter on one of the Facebook pages about it, and the people like convinced Lion King is gonna be bad. And I don't understand, right? Why they're taking Lion King and thinking it's going to be Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast, and not the fucking Jungle Book, which was amazing. Right. We all in the cast loved it, and this has the like, same director and same like crew right. behind it. I assume it's going to be that until I watch it. I don't know why you would assume it's going to be fucking Cinderella. Yeah. I mean, it's... Also, I mean, and this is me personally, but when I rank the original animated movies of Jungle Book, Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, and yeah, Lion King... Lion King and Jungle Book are up there. Yeah, Lion yeah. King's on the top, Jungle Book's not on the bottom. Right. Like, Beauty and the Beast wasn't my favorite. Right. Uh, because it's a romantic French story told to, like, told for... Like young women, I mean, yeah. little girls. I mean, I love Beauty and the Beast, and I didn't think the movie was that bad. I wasn't a huge fan of Snow White or Cinderella, and I thought those movies were boring as shit. They're yeah. the same stories. Yeah. If you don't like the stories, you're not going to like them this time. Yeah. Also, don't get mad about remakes when this is just Hamlet. Yeah, also, don't get mad about remakes because I want more movies to get made because the more they get made, the better odds will be watching a good one. Yeah. Are. Like, they go up. So, speaking of remakes, uh, we posted in the, the, the group. Uh, it looks like Charlie's Angels is getting a reboot. Oh, yeah. We actually didn't post it. Reagan oh, yeah. posted it there. Um, but yeah, it looks it looks fun. I don't know. It's uh, directed by Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. And who's she, playing Bosley. Yeah, she stars as Bosley. Not stars, but yeah. as much as Bosley stars. Right. But also, Patrick Stewart plays Bosley, and so does Jimon Honsu. Uh, oh, they're all Bosley? Yeah. Nice. Well, so they are Bosley. Yeah. Spartacus style. <laughs> I like it. Uh, but it's Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott, and Ella Belinska as the angels. Yeah, and one of them seems to be, like, recruited, so it seems like it might be kind of an origin-esque story. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm fine with it. I kind of like Elizabeth Banks. I'm curious to see what she does behind the camera. Um, Patrick Stewart's a great comic relief uh, recently. I talked about him last week when I talked about uh, the kid who would be king. Yeah. And um, Brent is a huge fan of Kristen Stewart. thinks she's one of the best... Like active young actresses out there, yeah. So I'll catch this. I bet um, I'm curious to see how reviews are because I feel like this is kind of like a Stars Born was when it started. You know, getting trailers yeah. released. I was like, oh, this movie could be like a ten or it could be like a ninety. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, um, and just just to give you uh, a little background, Ella Blinska's not really been in anything. Okay. But Naomi Scott is uh, was Jasmine in the new Aladdin. Oh, okay. She was Kimberly in the Power Rangers live action. Okay. And uh, has just been in some smaller stuff before that. Was in a short-lived uh, TV show called Terra Nova. I remember when that got announced. I remember when that came out. It was real stupid. Um, I, watched the, I watched it. But of, of the performances from Aladdin, people are saying, that girl can sing. Cool. Yeah, I still want to see Aladdin. I need to get around to that at some yeah. point. I'm not going to make it in the theatrical release, but... And then Kristen Stewart's Kristen Stewart, I feel like we know. Yeah. She's an, a known commodity. Yeah. But... You got any other Breezy? That's it for Breezy. You want to talk about telling people what they need to go see? Yeah, let's force people to go watch something. It's a tough weekend. You've got a couple of movies coming out, and with July 4th, you kind of have two Fridays. So, uh... Two Fridays. Nice! One movie's coming out on Wednesday... That is Ari Aster's follow-up to Hereditary, which we talked about at length earlier. Uh, Midsommar is coming out, and I'm very, very excited for that. I was about to write down Midsommar. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to, and I don't know where all the umlauts and accents are. Yeah. Uh, we'll also be talking about Midsommar on the next podcast, I'm guessing, because I'm definitely going to catch it this week. And that's my pick. But the follow-up is a fine pick. It's uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. It's coming out this weekend. 
Um, I'm going to go try to catch it at a Dolby Theater because I'm now officially a member of AMC's A-List. Um, oh, oh, cool. I'm going to edit that out. No one cares. <laughs> boo. No, I want AMC to give it to me for free later. <laughs> Leave it in. This podcast brought to you by AMC. <laughs> Not sure who they are. Um, that was a movie that uh, the, the first Spider-Man um, Marvel movie, me and Chris, it was our favorite of that year. Yeah. Um, that was the year, I think, when Guardians 2 came out, along with something else. I don't remember what. But it's a fine pick. I'm going to see it at the theater, so pick either one of those. But I'm going to tell you to go see Midsommar if you're listening to me and doing whatever I say, because I want the movie to make money, because I want Ari Aster to make more movies. Yeah, something tells me that Ari Aster is going to continue to make movies, even if no one sees them. Uh, yeah, this movie's getting great reviews. We talked about that earlier. So. Yeah, so I'm going to recommend Far From Home, only because uh, Spider-Man... If it's Wolverine or Spider-Man, I'm gonna I'm in whole cloth. Nice. And that is the second time in two podcasts, or the first time in two podcasts, that I've said whole cloth. Well, cool. Let's end on that, then. All right. <laughs> Take us out, Chris. So, go see either one of those, because they're both going to be good. Yes. This has been Talky Talk, the podcast of MediaBias.com. You can find us on our page on Facebook, and that'll link you to the groups for movies, TV, and games. You can send us an email to TheMediaBias at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at the media by us. Uh, we have a Patreon set up. I know nothing about it. We probably don't have any donations from it, but donate. We'll, but to we'll us. check. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll check. And if you do, I don't know. I'll give you a handshake because yeah. that's all I've got right now. Uh, Maybe a koozie, not with the media's bias koozie, just the koozie that we have. <laughs> yeah, I mean we have coasters somewhere and pens. Oh, we do. I don't know what happened to those. I guess they're David's. Yeah, we just made them for us and then lost them. <laughs> we used them for like a month. Anyway. Uh, special thanks to Willow Walkers Willow for the intro and Burrito Boo for the outro. Up. And uh, yeah, rate us on your favorite podcasting app to listen to us. And thanks, TJ. Thanks, Chris. All right, see you. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things. 